Hello, this is Peter Woolfolk, producer and host of the Public Relations Review podcast. When I conceived this program, my idea was to provide public relations practitioners with a wide variety of solid, useful information and guidance from public relations professionals across America. And we are doing that. I will continue to cover important topics such as crisis communications and artificial intelligence and other such important topics. But I will also address other issues such as diversity in public relations, marketing to women, public relations trends, various data concerns, and much more. From time to time, I will also invite vendors of public relations products on to help you better understand how these products can improve your efficiency and your effectiveness. You will learn a lot from our podcast, so thank you for listening, and please inform your colleagues about the Public Relations Review podcast and continue listening. Thank you so very much. Welcome. This is the Public Relations Review podcast, a program to discuss the many facets of public relations with seasoned professionals educators, authors, and others. Now, here is your host, Peter Woolfolk. Welcome to the Public Relations Review to our listeners all across the United States and around the world. Georgie Borod is principal of GBG and Associates and has produced a wealth of tactical marketing, advertising, and public relations plans. Her involvement in changing the public relations perception of the timeshare industry is widely acknowledged. She has influenced the success of trade associations, legal services, hospitality, nonprofits, software, and architectural services. She is the founder and member of the Board of Directors of Women in the Industry, and she is a member of the Public Relations Society of America. George is also a registered resort professional. She has received awards for collateral materials, interactive media, and public relations campaigns. Now, she was on the, also on the founding team of the world's finest resorts, and they eventually became the RCI's registry collection. Now, joining me for the Public Relations Review from a delightful city of San Diego, California, is my guest today, Georgie Barad. Welcome, Georgie. Thank you, Peter. It's a pleasure to be with you. Now, tell us, how did you get started in the resort uh, timeshare uh, industry, and exactly what do you do for your clients in that industry? Well, let me, uh, this is sort of a funny story. I went to, many years ago, I went to Northwestern University and studied uh, journalism and communications, particularly on the broadcast side. In those days, it was actually called radio, television, and film. Mm -hmm. But as we know, the communications platforms are much larger than that today. So I went to school basically for what I do now. I had a couple of jobs with ad agencies. I did a lot of freelance writing. I wrote some newspaper articles. And over time, I moved to San Diego and was working in a firm where there was an advertising department, an art department, and a PR department. And this was, each one of those departments was led by one principal. Every Friday, they'd go into their conference room, and there would be a lot of yelling and screaming. And they would come out, and they would hand us all our paycheck. We happened to get a paycheck 
then once a week, and um, then we would go off for our weekend and come back on Monday morning. Well, one day after, and the primary accounts that they had were software accounts, so I was working on a lot of software accounts at that time. So one Friday afternoon, they came out of their yell fest, and it was particularly more vociferous than others. They said, we can't do this anymore. We're going to shut this place down. And instead of your one-week check, we'll give you two-week checks, but don't bother to come back on Monday because we're not going to be here anymore. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. Oh, my goodness is right. At the time, I had... A husband, my then husband, not my present husband, but my then husband was in law school. I had a young daughter in the first grade, and basically I was the main support of the family. And I said, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? So I happened to have a good friend in an office just around the corner, and she said, you know, there's a new timeshare project going up in Carlsbad, and the name of the company is Winter Circle Resorts, and they're looking for, and I'm putting air quotes here, a marketing gal. Well, I needed the money, but when I thought about it, I th went home, I threw myself down on the bed and sobbed. I said, how am I going to tell my parents, who spent all this money to send me to Northwestern, that I was going to go work at a timeshare? I was humiliated, but I didn't have much choice. So I went for my interview. They offered me the position, and I'd like to say the rest is history, but it's my history. Nobody else would really care about it, but that company was the became the fastest-selling timeshare project on the, um, on the west, uh, west of the Mississippi. It was uh, a... Hugely profitable and exciting uh, development. And eventually my boss and mentor, his, I will say his name, James Watkins, he's still active today in his 80s. He really put together an exceptional program and built eight resorts up and down the coast of California. And I was with the company during that high growth time. Well, eventually that company was sold to another company who became my client. And I went to work for a company which offered services to the timeshare industry. And I went in-house working as their director of marketing communications, primarily B2B. So that's how I got into this strange and wonderful world of timesharing and all the communications platforms that timesharing needs. Now, the reason it has such a depth of communications opportunities is because it's such a complicated industry in and of itself. And I could spend this time talking about the timeshare industry, but I want to focus on the communications portions of it. So within that industry, I do a lot of what we call traditional PR, press releases, media relations, and today, of course, a lot of social media, blogging, web content. So that niche is primarily looking at the B2B component of the timeshare industry. 
Then I also do a lot of work in the B2C portion of the industry. Um, and that surrounds itself with more things like uh, producing videos, um, a lot of online work, member communications, prospect communications, direct mail campaigns. So because of the wide spectrum of timesharing, I've had the opportunity to work in so many communications platforms. And at GBG, one of our specialties is matching the platform to the audience. And that's what we consider our unique selling proposition is that we can match different kinds of ways of communicating with the appropriate audience. Now, going to so that's little, my short story of how I got into this business. Well, uh, and, and, and I, I like that, but you also piqued my curiosity now, matching the platforms to the audience. Go into a bit more detail so that we'll have a broader understanding of exactly what that is and how you go about it. Okay. So I'll start from the... Um, I'll start on the B2C side with um, a maturing population in the timeshare industry. And I just I, I want to make it clear, I deal with other markets as well, but this one has a lot of fascination because eventually we'll get into talking about reputation management, which is very important in this industry mm -hmm. as well. So right now, early on in this business, we were only using direct mail and phone calls to talk to prospective buyers of timeshares and existing members. One of our greatest um, <laughs> tasks was trying to get people's emails in that time frame. Nobody had email. Well, today we know that an email is probably the most traditional way of communicating with people um, other than snail mail, direct mail pieces, and so forth. And we've had to move on to different things like Twitter, Facebook, even Snapchat. Mm -hmm. So when we talk to our older clients, our more mature clients, we spend a lot of time on Facebook, which has an older demographic. We actually still use direct mail. We still use traditional press releases. And we still use a lot of print advertising and earned print media. But that is primarily to talk to higher-level C-suite uh, professionals and owners because these folks are a little bit older and they like to be addressed in the and they're more comfortable getting emails, getting direct mail, mm -hmm. and seeing things in print. Well, that's not always the case for other folks that are, let's say, the millennials. That It's kind of an ephemeral term. Everybody's talking about millennials who aren't so young these days. Um, but millennials like to deal more on uh, different kinds of communication via social media. Mm-hmm. So that's an example of how we talk to people. And then there's still people uh, who really enjoy getting a phone call. So I have one client who has the ability to broadcast a live, tele, what he calls a teletown conference to more than 50,000 people. Mm. And people can actually interact with their voices, as we're doing now. They can ask questions. 
Um, they can receive re direct responses. So there are so many ways to talk to folks. We just have to know which is the one they want to hear from us the most, on which level they want to hear from mm -hmm. us on. Well, it's, uh, I'm certainly glad to hear you say that, how you go about segmenting people, because you're absolutely right. A lot of folks are engaged, if you will, in um, uh, uh, digital and they have a tendency to forget that uh, senior citizens, if you will, or older citizens, uh, actually have more money than a lot of millennials do. So they have a tendency to overlook that. But the other side of that is also data, because this is a big area that we concentrate in as well. So you mentioned uh, newspapers and other sort of uh, outreach efforts. Do you track uh, or collect the data from and determine what your responses are or how effective that has been? It's a constant struggle. Of course, we do track it. I um, really feel very strongly that our uh, clients deserve to see how they are faring in the media marketplace. We start with what we call, instead of an ROI, mm -hmm. we call it an ROO, Return on Objectives. Because as you know, in public relations, it's very hard to have a direct relationship with the bottom line. But we can tell who we're engaging for how long we were engaging them, if they took further action after that engagement, mm -hmm. and so forth. So we, uh, I use a platform, I've used a number of um, off-the-shelf platforms, if you will, and right now I, I work with um, Meltwater, uh, not only to find out more about the uh, media folks that I'm dealing with, but also to measure the results of our campaigns. Mm -hmm. And on a, I look at it daily, but I prepare um, a report for my clients on a, a monthly basis, which includes what we call press pickup, uh, social media impres impressions, click-throughs, results. And from that, we can discern if we're in the right marketplace, if we're talking to the right people, and it allows us to do a lot of A and B testing as well. Okay. So at one time, we'll uh, work with a newsletter and see if there are a lot of um, click-through to the links in the newsletter. Another time, we'll try that message, and we'll do it through a press release, let's say, so that we can compare the media that we've used with what our results have been. Okay. Now, considering uh, particularly for timeshares, uh, do you have these uh, open houses, uh, hors d'oeuvres, all of that sort of good stuff? Because for an open, for a timeshare, for instance, that people obviously want to, for lack of a better term, kick the tires, come in and see and envision themselves overlooking if uh, they're on the Pacific Ocean, seeing the ocean from their balcony or whatever else goes along with that. Well, the there are a lot of ways to market timeshares, and that is changing on a daily basis. Uh, we used to say folks don't wake up in the morning saying, hmm, I think I'll go out and buy a timeshare today. It doesn't work that way, unfortunately, for this particular industry. My particular role, now that I have an independent agency and have had one for over 20 years, is not so much in the direct marketing mm -hmm. of the timeshare to the prospects, 
but more in providing all the support and what I call warming up for the sale so that when the direct marketers who are highly skilled, either digital marketers or um, actually contact center marketers, um, when they set up their outreach to the prospect, my job is to make sure that that prospect isn't walking into that resort or that developer's entity totally without knowledge of what's going on. So I don't have to plan the hors d'oeuvres anymore, even though at one time when I was a marketing gal <laughs> at Winter Circle, I had to plan that part. But um, my job really is more than providing the pretty pictures and words, but giving a lot of background and education about a particular project or a particular service. I want to talk a little bit about the B2B work too, mm-hmm. a particular service, so that when my clients approach their clients, their prospective clients, those prospective clients already have a good feeling about the client who is, is approaching them. Let me give you an example. Um, there is, I work with a lot of resorts that are in Mexico. So they have a big target market here in the U.S. for people to come down to Mexico. Mm-hmm. And lately there have been some, um, uh, there have been some challenges about going down to Mexico. So I spent a lot of time developing a campaign for one of my clients that was more educational about the safety of the area, Mm -hmm. uh, how to make sure that you're safe in Mexico, how to take advantage of the warm, wonderful weather and hospitality of Mexico. And we spent a lot of time developing that so that when our clients were approached to visit a Mexican timeshare, they were not full of negativity about what the situation could or would be in Mm -hmm. Mexico. So that's how one of the ways a company used our services. Well, I'm glad to hear you mention that because obviously that was going to be a question I'd ask you, but but uh, sort of drilling down when you talked about helping people feel more comfortable about going to Mexico, what sort of things did you let them know that could perhaps alleviate some fears they may have had? One of the things that we do the most, and I do this for my B2B clients as well, there is nothing better than a human being testimonial. Mm-hmm. So what we did in, that, in one case was to use live Facebook um, streaming with uh, people having wonderful times on vacation and talking about how great it was and how comfortable they were there and about their particular favorite server in a restaurant or an experience that they had. So that probably built that trust more than any other kind of campaign could do with owner-member testimonials. Mm -hmm. But the same thing with my B2B clients. Now, I have a lot of clients that their particular... Uh, product is something that resorts or resort developers can use. So they want to be able to talk to this marketplace too. And for instance, I have one client, Customer Count by name, uh, 
which is a survey solution to build stronger customer engagement and also to let resorts know, or other businesses know, but primarily resorts, how they're faring and ways that they can improve on their performances and things that are working well for them. So I work with this survey company a lot, and we use every sort of media available to us because we find that the folks in the resorts come from such a, the, the executives in the resorts, the decision makers, come from such a wide range of demographics themselves. So we have to approach that with a many-pronged approach mm-hmm. to be able to share the information about the value of this particular product. Now, do you also try to encourage um, or help them encourage people from not only the U.S., but from other countries because some of them do come, I don't know, fly down from Canada or uh, maybe even some European nations to come to Mexico as a as a place to relax for a while? Well, since we're talking about Mexico, and I do have, uh, there are clients that I have other resorts that are in the mountain areas um, and in South Florida, but as far as Mexico goes, I am a member of the Canadian Vacation Ownership Association. Mm-hmm. And there are about, and I don't have the statistic exactly, Peter, but it's in the area of around 30% of the owners uh, and members of timeshares in Mexico are Canadian. It may be a little bit less than that, but there's a very heavy representation. So we work a lot in that Canadian market um, talking about Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, the other clients that I have, um, one client I have that's uh, particularly exciting to me is a um, vacation club. Now, a vacation club is different than a timeshare, but the bottom line, it does offer affordable vacations to its membership, and that is um, similar across across the line. But a vacation club is less expensive. It's a, not as much of a time commitment. It has a little bit younger demographic because they're younger folks getting – don't really want to commit too much for a lifetime of vacations, for goodness sake. Mm-hmm. And this particular vacation club has um, its own properties, and they have a lot of them in southern Florida, for instance, in that um, – it's so wonderful and warm down there. But ar- around uh, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, uh, Boca Raton, that area. Mm-hmm. And they have resorts in that area. So that has a different feeling to it, in, actually, than the ones that when we're talking about traveling out of the country. These are folks that usually travel domestically. So it has a different flavor for that. Well, when you think back of all the things that you've done exciting, what would you consider perhaps your most challenging uh, assignment to uh, to get completed to fulfill your um, your clients' uh, objectives? Well, most recently, and since we're focusing on the timeshare industry, you you yourself might have witnessed this. There is a huge um, challenge with reselling a timeshare. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, in a lot of sales presentations, folks were promised many, many years ago that they, when they were done using their timeshare, they could resell it. Well, it's not quite that easy. 
you're facing if if you're an individual who's owned a timeshare for 15 years and your lifestyle has changed or you can't travel as much or you've gone through a divorce you're faced with dealing with selling your timeshare well most of us know that you're not going to get full price for it you wouldn't get full price for a car uh, you wouldn't get uh, full price on Craigslist for a used treadmill. So you're not going to get full price for your timeshare. But the uh, huge, uh, there, there is a, a spate of timeshare resale companies which are unfortunately really digging into the timeshare market in a negative way because their messaging is negative timeshare. You might hear one of these in your car. You might see a headline. You want to get rid of your timeshare? Well, if you're trying to sell somebody a timeshare, how would you like to have that barrage of information saying, timeshares are a ripoff, you don't want to be part of a timeshare, why don't you get rid of yours? So counteracting that kind of messaging has been probably the biggest challenge, not mm-hmm. only our company, but even the developers themselves have had to deal with in the past couple years. I even had a client who is a good guy in the timeshare resale world. He has a program which is advertising timeshares. He works with clients directly. He gets them good prices. But... It's very hard to get that information out there when it is um, clouded by these other companies which are basically taking these old timeshare clients and members and taking their money and promising them the moon and they're not getting it. Mm -hmm. So um, that has been the biggest challenge so far. Luckily, with my client that I've been working with for over a year, he is developed a very fine relationship with people in the industry um, as well as individual timeshare owners and is meeting with great success on a one-to-one basis, helping people whose lives have changed and no longer need or want their timeshare or their children don't want it. He's helping them at least get some of their investment back. Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh, very, very great to hear. Um, just briefly, I, uh, was, I'm the former chairman of the Better Business Bureau here in uh, Nashville, and that was one of the major complaints that they would get from a particular timeshare company that uh, really didn't offer much of anything. Once they signed the contract to uh, sell their, their timeshares, the company did very, very little for them. Uh, so it, it got to be quite a mess. So I can understand the predicament you were in. Well, it's a perfect job. I mean, it, it's job security for a PR person uh, <laughs> to, to take a challenging situation and do our best in conjunction with our client to, uh, you know, modify that, modify that situation mm-hmm. so that it isn't um, a morass of negativity but has some fair and equal kind of footing so that people understand what they're getting, how they're getting it, and what the next steps would be. Well, I can certainly, uh, on the flip side of that, uh, my family does have a timeshare down in Myrtle Beach, and actually we really, really enjoy going down there. Uh, the amenities Good. of the place, <laughs> the, the beach. 
Uh, I, I actually enjoy it uh, very, very much. The palm trees. I guess it's like being in, in Southern California for you. Uh, <laughs> that the ocean views, all those kinds of great things, great seafood. So uh, uh, there certainly are some very, very positive benefits to owning a timeshare. Yes, there, there are. And see, you're a perfect example for me, Peter, because it's folks like you who do own a timeshare, do enjoy using it, see the benefits of it. So we try to get more and more real people to talk about what they get out of their timeshare and how positive that is. Mm-hmm. Georgia, you have provided us with some great information about the timeshare industry and how you helped uh, help uh, your folks grow are there any other issues or topics you'd like to sort of impart uh, now? You know, what I'd like to impart, because I'm not totally sure about the folks that are listening to this. I, I'm sure many of them are like uh, me um, that are PR professionals. But I just want to really say that communicating is not just one form. And I think the beauty of being what we call a PR person is that we get to communicate. And I like to look at myself, and I know a lot of my colleagues do too, as communicators and thinking of the best ways that we can help a client tell their story in a way that it will get to the right sources so that people can hear the right things to help you grow as a business. Well, Georgia Bullrod, you have been very, very uh, informational, and uh, I really appreciate your taking the time to join us today. I'd also like and to And I say, thank you, Peter. This has been terrific. Well, well, perhaps we'll have to do this again sometime in the future. It'd be my pleasure. <laughs> okay. And to all Bye. of our listeners uh, around America and across the world, uh, thank you for listening to the Public Relations Review, and please share this with your colleagues, and don't forget to join us for the next edition of the Public Relations Review. This podcast is produced by Communication Strategies, an award-winning public relations and public affairs firm headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us.